something again, or you didn't quite understand that joke and would benefit from hearing it one more time, I do record this. That was a joke. That was a joke. You know, and don't feel bad because I play them over later because I'm really the reason I started doing it is so I can kind of work on my presentation a little better. It doesn't help me look this way more, but it helps me talk slower and try to say some words a little clearer. But I listen and I'm like, yeah, that really wasn't funny. <laughs> so, Sherry says that a lot, but it's, I've got evidence. What does she know? Yeah. Oh, no. She, she might hear that. <laughs> yeah. I went from, from doing this at home and getting criticism to playing it later, so the damage is already done. Um, but it's, it's a great accountability partner. It is having someone who has no problem telling you how to get better. <laughs> so live like that. So when you look at the slide on the screen, what do you think of? I tell you, that makes you miss all the green of our surroundings, that's for sure. Um, but clearly this image is of two adjacent lawns, and one of them is noticeably greener than the other. And what does that make you think of? Spring? What's that? Fertilizer. Fertilizer, okay. How about the grass is always greener? Remember that one? All right, the grass is always greener on the other side of the lawn. Or perhaps the rest of that is, the grass is actually greener where it's watered and fertilized and cared for. So, last week we talked about, what's that? Walking a straight line? Walking a straight line, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, mine's a little more like the left, and, uh, but that's okay. Last week we talked about caring for our faith and what we do, or remarkably what God, do, God does to grow it. Uh, we looked at how our measure of faith uh, can both affect and be affected by God's timing in our lives. And I titled this message, At the Speed of Faith. You know, as always, I'm able to share that audio copy if, if you want to, uh, to hear it. I know weather kept a bunch of us away last week. But this week we're going to look at what happens when we compare our faith to someone else's, thus the greener lawn. Or perhaps yours is the greener lawn. But first we're going to do a little Sunday school quiz. How many commandments were delivered to Moses during the journey through the wilderness on the way to the promised land? No, not nine, Becky. I know, just making a sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, yell some out there. If you don't participate, we're going to do Bible study on it. So. Thou shalt not kill. Shall not kill, number six. <laughs> Did you hear that, Becky? Okay. <laughs> She was right on that with Johnny on the spot. Uh, yeah, number five. Not steal. Yep, honor God. And, and number ten in all this is thou shalt not covet. It says thou shalt not covet the neighbor's house, the neighbor's wife, the neighbor's slaves, animals, or anything else. And I'm going to talk about number ten this morning. That thou shalt not covet. Now you can see the relevance of the image on the screen. Now coveting the, the greener grass, if that's not yours. And I confess, sometimes I catch myself on this one, especially around here. I see larger, nicer homes on my way to my place that Sherry and I, we affectionately call our shabby chic shack. You know, because um, they apparently, if you have mismanaged furniture that's kind of worn and beaten and, and all this, it's, it's a style. <laughs> it's a style. I have style. I have style. Uh, just like being round is a shape. It's a shape. I'm in shape. Um, Anyway, but, so I drive past these places on the way to my little shabby chic shack, and I notice the waterfront lots and the views of the lake and that I only get for a few months when the leaves are off the trees. And I see people enjoying their boats of all styles and sizes, and I confess I find myself coveting these things. I would love to have something like that. 
And what about coveting my neighbor's animals and wife? Will's dog barks a lot so he can keep it. And come to think of it, I think his wife barks at him a lot so he can keep her too. So I'm good in that area. But God tells us not to covet others' things. And there's several reasons he does this. First, we can unintentionally idolize them. Even good things can become bad when we don't prioritize them properly. The blessings in our lives can become a focus instead of what God intended them be, like a blessing. Our jobs, we can be hung up on our jobs and pursue and pursue and pursue and, and go after that title and then, of course, the money and the stuff. It's nice to have stuff, but those are blessings. Be able to provide for ourselves and have nice things and then you have an opportunity to share them with others. Those are blessings, but if we get focused on them, it gets fuzzy. Remember, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. So when we covet something, we may accidentally be idolizing it. Secondly, we can overlook our own blessings because we're so focused on someone else's. Have you heard this expression? Comparison breeds dissatisfaction. Because there's always something newer, shinier, faster, whatever it may be. And when you look at those things, you go, mine isn't that way. And even when yours is fantastic, whatever it may be. And third, God wants you to be happy. Wanting something different is contrary to the peace and the satisfaction and the contentment and joy that God hopes we experience in our lives. God wants you to be content. He wants you to enjoy the things in your life. And he wants you to want more by going after them and getting more faith and having more security and more joy in your life, but not because, because of, of something that's superficial. However, I think there's something that we should want for ourselves when we see that it is done better than what we're doing. And I use that term better loosely because it's very subjective. But when we see something that is better in a specific area, I think there's one way that it's okay to covet it, to want it for ourselves. And before I get into that, let me digress a few minutes. I spend a lot of time in my car during the week. I have a 35 to 45 minute commute each way, Monday through Friday, and that's if there's no issues with weather or traffic. And it's just a touch over two hours to get to Golden Beach from there. And you may hear that and go, yuck. I mean, people say, you go to the lake, it really yuck. I admit that I could do without the traffic during the week. But I'll also admit that I let people think that the weekly round trip to Golden Beach isn't a joy either. I do that because it kind of makes a deterrent against having extra company with me. Like I said this morning, well, life would be great if it weren't for all the people in there, right? <laughs> the truth is that I enjoy the time in the car. 35 to 45 minutes is just enough time to psych myself up for the workday. And it's also almost enough time for me to leave some of that stuff behind so I can enjoy my evening with my family. And as far as the, the weekend commute, two hours is perfect. I can totally disengage from the week's stresses and anxieties and truly feel like I'm getting away and able to focus on Golden Beach and my life here. I've only missed two weekends in about three years, so I guess it's safe to say that that drive really hasn't been a deterrent for me. The truth is I love this community and our little church here, and I'm glad to be a part of both in any role and regularity. And as for this drive, I listen to a lot of music. I love listening to music of all kinds, and I often will take some inspiration from the songs I hear. Either they'll give me an emotional influence, I'll be real excited, or if I'm listening to too much country, I'll get mopey, um, or the words may lead to other thoughts. You know, I might hear a lyric or something that means something to me. So that being said, you guys are in for a treat. I'm going to be sharing this morning's message in the style of rap, using my stage name, Pastor T. And this will be followed by an operatic closing prayer and benediction. So...
<laughs> My feelings wouldn't hurt if your faces weren't so funny right now. <laughs> I, I'm joking, but I do appreciate you guys are paying attention. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I heard a song by the group Sidewalk Prophets. Uh, it's not a new song. I actually have the CD somewhere. Uh, but I found myself really listening closely to the lyrics. And I don't want the instrumentation to take away from the words, so I won't be playing the actual song. But I included the lyrics on the back side of your announcement page in the bulletin, and I'd like you to listen as I read them. The song's called Live Like That, and it's by a group Sidewalk Prophets. And it says, Sometimes I think, what will people say of me when I'm only just a memory, when I'm home where my soul belongs? Was I love when no one else would show up? Was I Jesus to the least of those? Was my worship more than just a song? And the chorus goes like this. It says, I want to live like that. I want to give it all I have so that everything I say and do points to you. If love is who I am, then this is where I'll stand, recklessly abandoned, never holding back. I want to live like that. He says, am I proof that you are who you say you are, that grace can really change a heart? Do I live like your love is true? He says, people pass, and even if they don't know my name, is there evidence that I've been changed? When they see me, do they see you? And it goes back to this chorus. I want to live like that. I want to give it all I have so that everything I say and do points to you. If love is who I am, then this is where I'll stand, recklessly abandoned, never holding back. I want to live like that. He says, I want to show the world the love you gave for me. I'm longing for the world to know the glory of the king. I want to live like that. I want to give it all I have so that everything I say and do points to you. If love is who I am, then this is where I'll stand, recklessly abandoned, never holding back. I want to live like that. So thou shalt not covet. That's how that 10th commandment reads. But we're going to talk about a type of coveting that is good and acceptable because it leads to growth and maturity. So your faith and relationship with God is very, very personable. But it is good to want it to be more than what it is. You recall that one of our risky prayers is increase my faith. God, increase my faith. Grow my faith. We can covet someone else's faith. Not in the sense that we wish they didn't have it, Rather, that ours was just as strong as what we perceive theirs to be. Now, there is a hint of jealousy in this, this notion, but more accurately, I think it's more of accountability. Think of someone. So-and-so has an enormous amount of faith. I see that it is possible to have that much faith, especially despite their circumstances. I want that kind of faith. I want to live like that. Can you think of someone with this kind of faith? Perhaps you're the person that other people are thinking of. In either case, I say, well done. You have an example. But actually, we all do. The Bible is filled with men and women of faith, and all but one, who's Jesus Christ, didn't start that way. The 12 disciples came from various and some from unscrupulous lifestyles. King David himself was all kinds of unsavory with his choices before coming the man that he was. And the Apostle Paul whose words and letters we reference almost every Sunday, he spent a large portion of his adult life persecuting Jesus' followers before coming one himself. Perhaps your modern-day faith hero is such 
because they endured or are still enduring a tough situation. And they're facing it with faith and you admire that. And this is exactly what we talked about last Sunday. You, you may admire someone's faith and rightfully so, but would you want the circumstances that led to it for them? If not, are you saying that you want to benefit, but you don't want to put in the work that was required to get there? These are risky prayers, my friends. They're risky prayers. So let's just take the last few minutes of this message and look at what we want and what it takes to get there. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Live like that. Live in a way so that you have the wisdom to know the difference between good and bad. What is of and from God and what is of and from the world. James 1.26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Live like that. Live by recognizing and properly using the power of your words. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. We should live like that, putting our faith into action. Also from James 1, 19, 20, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let's live like that. Let's live with self-control. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. I want to live like that, reflecting the character of Christ. Live a life that pleases God and honors Him, and you will abound in the many blessings that He has for you. And that is a promise that He has made to every single one of us. It is a covenant that He wants to honor through you. So what do you do? What do you need to do to live like that? Again, like so many of these questions we ask on Sunday, the answer is very simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's certainly not complicated. Are you ready for this? If you want to live that, make a decision. That's it. Just decide. Choose. Choose for yourself how you will respond. How you will respond to opportunities of all kinds in your life. Choose how you will respond to this message. Will you leave this building today wiser or changed in any way? Will you choose to let God's words influence what you say, do, and think from this moment forward? Friends, this is a loving community and a congregation that shares in hope and well wishes for you, for every one of us. And if I or anyone in this church can ever do anything to help you with your choice or support you once you've made it, don't hesitate to let someone know. We are all an extension of God's love and work in this world. And helping one another, it blesses all of us and it pleases God. Now I want to assure you, and these are from God's words of promise, not just my own, having the benefit and blessing of an unyielding faith and a deep connection, a deep relationship with God is well worth the work that it takes. And God wants you to live like that. Let's pray. Father God, you are amazing. You give us ten commandments to live by and, and many other pieces of wisdom and advice. And God, none the least of this is not to covet. Not to look at something and want it for ourselves. 
But God, there is something to covet in this world, and that is a strong faith. When we see people in the world, in our lives, that have a strong faith, that because of their circumstances, or despite their circumstances, have leaned so hard on you, have leaned so hard on their belief and their hope in the promise that you've made to them. God, we want to live like that. We want to covet that. We don't want any less for them. We just want more for ourselves. God, when we covet the wrong things, even if they start as good things, God, forgive us that. Help us to reprioritize, to to turn toward you in every circumstance. And God, above all else, help us to make the choice, to make the decision to follow you, to have faith in you, have faith in real things that are good and noble and honorable and true. And God, we know that blessing from you will rain down on us like we can't imagine. God, you have such wonderful things in store for us and you're just waiting. And again, we come back to the thought of the speed of our faith. So God, let our faith catch up with where you want it to be so we can experience all the wonderful things, the joy and contentment and peace in our lives that you hope for us. God, help us to be aware that our lives may be an example to somebody else and help us to step up our game. Help us to live a way that pleases you and to do so conspicuously so others can look at us and look at our example and be inspired and reminded that making good choices and living a good life and exercising self-control and discipline and patience and renewing our minds so we can look at things through your perspective, with your kingdom perspective in mind, it's possible. It's possible. God, as always, I just want to thank you for this building, those who built it, those who have supported it in many ways over the years, even today. God, I thank you for those who've attended and visited, and I thank you for everyone here this morning. I continue to ask your prayer and blessing over those who are traveling, who are away, who are ill. God, as always, we have a a wonderful place with opportunities to invite more. May we continue to be a welcoming and inviting congregation for anyone seeking you, that they may come and feel welcome and find you here. And may we all leave just a little change for the better. We give this service to you. Amen.